Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Welcome everyone in today. Can we put our hands together and welcome Orange Park and Julington Creek and everyone in the priesthood that might be watching as they're traveling this weekend and really glad to have you guys today. Obviously, I'm joined by Pastor Stovall, Pastor Brian, and uh, we're gonna continue. Give them a hand, that's all right, give them a hand. I like you guys too. So. Uh, we're gonna be in part two, if you were with us uh, the last couple of weeks. We've started this series called Supernatural. And, uh, and we're looking at some supernatural things, some uh, divine rebellions that we see happening in the book of Genesis. The fact that there is a supreme God. Uh, most of us know him to be obviously Yahweh. Uh, but that there are lesser gods. We, we talked about that last week. Pastor preached about that last week. A lot of people didn't even know, you know, like when the 10 commandments says, and you shall put no other gods before me, like it's written because they actually exist. There's actually other ones. And, and so we talked a little bit about that last week. And last week in our series, uh, pastor preached on the first divine rebellion that we see in scripture. It came in Genesis chapter three in the Garden of Eden, right? When, when Adam and Eve were there and they were deceived by the serpent, they partook of, uh, of that fruit. And so that was the first rebellion. Today, we're gonna jump into the second divine rebellion and it's in Genesis chapter six. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and flip to Genesis six. Uh, we'll get there in just a second. We do wanna remind everyone that obviously on a Sunday morning with limited time and multiple services, uh, we don't have time to get through A, all of our notes. B, we don't even have time to reference all of our sources and extra scriptures and things like that. But one thing the three of us have been doing is uh, during our week now, we're actually uh, filming podcasts, video podcasts that are available on the Celebration YouTube channel. So you can go to YouTube, uh, you can go to the church app, Celebration app, and you can watch at length our discussions with all of our sources uh, that we're basically gonna be addressing here today. So if we didn't have time to get to it today, there's more than enough content um, on that YouTube channel. Uh, the next thing I'll say is a lot of the things that we're referencing, some of the stuff that we've been studying, our resources come from our good friend, Dr. Heiser, Dr. Michael Heiser, who has written a couple great books. Obviously I'm holding up Supernatural, The Unseen Realm. You can see right there, Dr. Heiser has done multiple seminars uh, here in our church. He's actually gonna be on our team here in Jacksonville uh, at the beginning of the year, leading our Awakening School of Theology and Ministry. And so Dr. Heiser has decades of scholarship and this is all peer reviewed uh, material. And so this is not just opinions, even in the educational world, thousands of, of his peers um, have seen this. And, uh, and so, man, this is great stuff. In, in, in yeah, fact, yeah. if I could just, just add, you know, once again, when you get into the biblical scholarship world, the academic world, the things that we're talking about, there, there's just not much debate on these things anymore with, uh, with the text, the Dead Sea Scrolls, all of the, the biblical texts that we now uh, understand in context from just all the material that we have available now. And so if you're new to Celebration, you know, I really encourage you, an, another great source with a lot of biblical scholars and PhDs or, or, or the group that, uh, that creates the videos that we watch, and yep. that's The Bible Project. I highly encourage you to watch those videos. And as we're talking about these other divine beings, you know, Satan and demons, angels, fallen angels, what Paul calls principalities and powers and all that. It's, if you're new to Celebration, 
we, we want you to know uh, that, that we believe, or the scripture is clear, that there is only one creator God, right. only one all-knowing, all-powerful, you know, omniscient, omnipresent. There is only one creator God. That's biblical monotheism. However, there's all types of other divine beings that we read about in scriptures. Of course, God, Yahweh created them, but just like he created humans, there was a rebellion with his heavenly family, just like there's been a rebellion with his earthly family and how much those things are tied together and why it matters so much for our practical lives today. That's, that's the big thing that we're, that we really want you guys to engage the scriptures on and what we're gonna talk some about today is why this matters. You know, um, when, you know, years ago, like I've, I've always known parts of these things, always, you know, Genesis six, and that there were these, these rebel angels, you know, that, that came down and, and really uh, helped to corrupt mankind. I just didn't think it mattered. Like that's weird, that's strange, you know, <laughs> What does that have to do with our everyday lives? But what you'll find out, if you really engage the scriptures, oh man, it matters. Yeah. And if you don't understand Genesis 3, Genesis 6, and Genesis 11, you're not, we're not gonna understand what, what the big picture narrative is of, of what both sides of this, of this war for humanity, like the, the pattern and plan of both sides because it's the same. So that's what, that's what we're gonna see. I mean, the plan of the enemy is, say, is, is the same. What does he want man to do? He wants us to define good and evil on our own terms instead of God's, yeah? He wants us to define truth on our own terms instead of God's, and he wants us to rule and not steward. If you get to the foundational components of brokenness and chaos and all of that, it really, it's, it's very simple, very, very simple. However, it's hard for us to do because we have to die to the flesh to do it. And that is this, we are gonna accept God's definition of truth, God's definition of good and evil. We're not gonna use parts of it and make up our own, okay? And the world, the world system, it's the same plan, to, to, the enemy has the same plan today. He wants us to define good and evil on our own terms. He wants, and he's, He's very crafty at how he does that. You know, he, he puts it in context of you're not being compassionate or, or you know, whatever the thing is. That's, that's step one. Step two is we have to understand that we're stewards. We're not rulers. We're, we're to steward God's, that's what imaging is. We're, we're to steward uh, uh, what God has given us in our lives. And uh, both the angels and humans and these things go hand in hand, yeah. hand in hand. Both the angels and the humans, we don't do well when we begin to rule. Bad things happen when right. we begin to, yeah. to rule. And that's kind of, if you were gonna- We're gonna, we're gonna yeah. see more of it today. So everyone say three. Three divine rebellions in Genesis. The first was Genesis three, that was last week. Today is Genesis six. And then next week, uh, we will look at Genesis 11. And uh, just for a bit of review, in case you weren't with us last week, pastor preached a couple of the key things that we saw last week is first and foremost this, what does God want? In order to understand the rebellions, you first gotta understand what God wants. He wants family. God wants 
family. The second thing we saw from last week is that our mission is to image God. God has, he wants divine, right, spiritual imagers, and he wanted earthly imagers. Our mission is to image God in the spheres of life that he has placed us. The third thing we saw was this. If man does not have free will, then we are not created in the image of God. Because the image of God is he is a being with free will. Like he, 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 he chooses good, of course he is good, but he extends that part of his nature to us so that we actually have a choice in life. Without free will, you are a robot. Without free will, your love means nothing because it was just programmed in you. So when we actually choose loyalty, when we wanna give our love, give our loyalty to God, because we are imagers with free will, it's meaningful. You know what I mean? Without free will, you're a slave. But with free will, it's meaningful, right? We learned that. We, we also learned this, though, about free will last week. Free will in the hands of imperfect beings, whether divine or human, can and will lead to disastrous results. And this is what we see not in Scripture. This is what you can see when you turn the news on at 11 p.m. in 2019. Free will given to man, this is like the dark side of free will. It's nice because we can love freely, we can choose loyalties freely, but there's a dark side, and, we learn and, that. And, and to, you know, you can go back and listen to the message, but that's real, real important if someone's talking to you. And you know, well, if God's so good, why is there so much pain and evil uh, in, in the world? You know, why is there so much evil? Well, because God would rather have a human family than no humans at all. The alternative to that, if God's really gonna give us dignity and create us with free will, well then yes, there is a very dark side to that that we're all experiencing and God knew that. However, the alternative is just to have no humans at all. And so God made the choice that he would rather have a human family with, and there was gonna be this, all of this evil and all of this sin and really painful uh, season in the world, Uh, he, he, He'd rather go through that than have no human family at all. Yeah. Yep. And then the last thing, obviously, Pastor already touched on it, but last week we talked about the nature of rebellion. And, and the foundation of rebellion is when individuals, divine or human, when we want to decide good and evil for ourselves, that's a foundational principle to rebellion. And then the second foundational principle is the desire to rule and not steward. I would imagine most of us in this room have now lived life long enough to realize that when humanity is left to its own devices and we want to rule, things go poorly. They, they, they tend to go bad. We tend to not be good rulers Uh, when we wanna take it out of God's hands and put it into our own hands. And so we're gonna jump into today, obviously Genesis chapter six, this second rebellion. But Pastor Brian, I'm gonna give it to you because what we see here in these rebellions is that uh, every time, okay, Genesis three, and then there's kind of a restart. Genesis six, and then there's a restart. Every time God restarts, what we see- Wait, hold on real quick. (laughs) So I I just wanted to frame out kind of why we're doing this the, the, this context of, of teaching oh, okay. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, today. You know, it's, it's our goal, our heart. We really want all of, all of us, all of you, all of us to really learn how to think well about scripture. And what we found is when we're, when we're teaching, you know, the meta narrative of scripture, the whole story, remember what we're gonna do today, we're gonna look at a time in history. It was a very 
disturbing time in our family history. The, 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 the Bible you can think of, this is our, our photo, or our, our, this is our family history. And so when we're looking back at these things, this was a very disturbing time. And what we're gonna see is, we're gonna see how far each side is willing to go to get imagers. And it's so important that we're, you're not, we're not gonna be aware uh, of how the world operates and we're not gonna be aware of what God wants unless we understand our identity, our mission. We, we can't understand where we're going if we don't understand where we came from, yeah? And, uh, and so as we dive into this, this is why, you know, <clears throat> I, I think of this like this is how, if we were doing a Bible study, you know, in my house and you were um, with me at, at my house or any of our homes, you know, this is how we would do it. Uh, we'd wanna sit, you know, we'd wanna sit down and we'd wanna unpack and, and, um, and really talk about these scriptures. And so we, we also hope that this will help you um, engage scripture. Like just really, I want you to, I really want us to get past the, the, the kind of the modern Western idea of church that you just come to church, you get a message from one person and that's, yeah. you, you, you are so valuable and you're gonna see it in this, you're gonna see this, like we're, we're, we're all equals. We're, yes, there's a, a authority, but you know what? God never wanted a hierarchy. When we get into the kingdom, there, there, there's authority, but there's not hierarchy. And so you, you, what we want um, Sundays to be is where you're, and Wednesdays, where you're really, really equipped to think well about scripture and that you can, you can take scripture with your own family or friends and really, really be grounded, as the Bible says, that the man or God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen? Yeah, yeah. and tr truthfully, when, when you understand these Genesis passages and you finally get a grip on it, I'm, I'm here to tell you this, this is a bold claim, you will never read your Bible the same again. You'll never read it the same again once you understand what's happening right here. Yeah, and you'll see patterns. Oh yeah, they're defining, they're, there's, a, there's a new definition of good and evil, wow. You know, there's, you, you'll see the same pattern, man wanting to rule on his own means. And that's why you, you, when we understand this, you see Jesus, okay, so here Jesus comes on the scene as God's son, as God, right? But Jesus doesn't even rule on his own terms. Jesus says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only do what the Father shows me. Jesus yeah. comes and said, you know, the, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. So, so those kind of things in the end, for those people during that time, it was the exact opposite of what those lesser gods and those fallen angels were teaching. No, you serve, you, you know, you serve, you, 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 um, it's for our, you know, they, 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 they use mankind for their own benefit. Yeah, yeah. And, and you see, And you see this, whoever controls the narrative wins. And what we're seeing in Genesis chapter one through 11 is a, when you read those chapters, it's really important to understand that the most scholars believe that this, these chapters were edited or written during the time of the Babylonian captivity. 
Why? Because there's so many links to the Mesopotamian literature that these scribes during that captivity were writing the true narrative. And so when you read Genesis 1 through 11, you're reading Yahweh's response to a bunch of false narratives. We just saw a video that basically said, and we're gonna read about it in Genesis 6, that divine beings looked upon women, saw that they were beautiful, and came down and had sexual relations with them, and out of that union came quasi-divine beings that were giants. Now let's just stop right there, that is strange. But I'll tell you this, it's not so strange because we will go to a movie theater and pay $12 to watch a narrative that Hollywood knows, it's a false narrative, right? We're waiting to see Thor hook up with the princess of Star Wars. I don't know her name, but you understand there's this thing in mankind that, want, that understands intuitively there's this mingling that has happened. There's something in us that even Adam and Eve, they wanted, it was natural for them to want to be like God. When this being came to deceive them, it wasn't some freakish moment for Eve. She was very comfortable communicating with this divine being. And when he says, hey, you wanna be like God, here's the way. And he was banking on his deception, he created a narrative. And he was banking on mankind destructing themselves. See, God intended for the divine family to help the human family, and both families were to take Eden and see it cover the whole earth. And the mission hasn't changed. Even though they bit on the play fake, even though they failed, God did not take them out, but he kicked them out of the garden. And what you see now is a battle, a battle between two realms. You see Yahweh versus lesser gods, and you see God's people, the family of God, versus the other enemies of God. Does that make sense? And so when you go from Genesis 3 to Genesis 6, rebellion is increasing. Now there's a seed. Now there's something in the heart of man that is is directed towards evil, but here's what's amazing. God did not change his plan A. It's always been family. You wanna know what God wants? It's family that's on a mission to see the Garden of Eden take over the world. And what you're gonna see through this account today as Pastor Clay reads Genesis 6, you're gonna see it doesn't change. The narrative though, we have to understand the true narrative. And I'll just say this, I think we're living in an age in the church where there's a lot of syncretism, there's a lot of different mind, a lot of different worldviews colliding. And what I feel like God's doing is he's trying to set the record straight again inside of the church, that we all understand the correct narrative, because if you understand it correctly, you can start seeing where you fit in the story, where you as an individual, where you as a family, and that's where you're gonna see. God always wants to partner with mankind to see his kingdom advanced in the earth. <laughs> don't worry, we will get, we will get to tell, well, yeah, yeah, tell yeah, 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 yeah. Tell a bit about yeah, the wait, other Don't narrative. let me forget, don't let me forget what I'm about to say. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so, so watch, this is, when you, when, you, when, you, when you understand our, our family history, you know, God's family, you just, you see the pattern everywhere. So right in the beginning, what is, what is it about? It's about imaging. To have imagers, you have to have seed. Yes. God says, be fruitful and multiply. They're to take his name and image him into all the earth and expand Eden into a global Eden. Okay, so watch. What does Satan and the rebel powers do? 
It's the same thing, just an inversion. They know Yahweh's system works. It, it, they're just, here's what they want. They want. Here's what we're gonna see in Genesis six. Literal seed, so that they can have imagers, so that they can establish the artificial anti-Eden, which Babel was the first one. But it's the, it's the same thing today. So we would say, oh man, wow. And, you can go to our podcast and, and Dr. Heiser's books quote like 3,000 academic peer-reviewed sources and, 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 and all of that. But the Genesis 6, there's these different Sethite theories, all this stuff. That, that, that's not even on the table anymore in the biblical scholarship academic world. But I'll give you as a follower of Jesus a much easier way where you can kind of see, see the pattern, okay? Watch. <clears throat> for us to truly image God now, right? What has to happen? Mm -hmm. Think when you were lost. Well, for us to truly image God, we have to be born again of an incorruptible yes. seed. In other words, the Holy Spirit, we receive Jesus, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Now we're sacred space. The Holy Spirit, the incorruptible seed of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit actually come into our spirit. And guess what the Bible says? We're created anew. Yes. We are what? New creatures in Christ. Dig that up in the original language. It literally means new species. You know what it means? Hybrids. Yeah. We're God's hybrids. Guess what? The, oh, you saw all those, you know, the, the kings, the the, 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 the wicked hero kings. Guess what? A king did come, a God king. But there's only one true God king. And he's good and he's not evil. And he demonstrated his love for mankind by dying on a cross. But all of us, if you think, oh my gosh, this is so weird. Well, that's what the Lord did to us. Right. You see what I'm saying? Except in a holy way not in a defilement, wicked, grotesque way. But all, remember this, the enemy, he counterfeits. Yeah. He, 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 he doesn't create anything new. He knows God's system works. He's just gotta create the, the counterfeit. And so, you know, even, you know, when sometimes people look at things and they're like, oh, that's, that's new age or that's Eastern. So first of all, remember, <laughs> our faith is not a Western religion. It's literally the ancient Near East. That's what we're talking about. That's where it came from. And then, then also, uh, remember, you know, like I heard this person talking about, you know, as above, so below, that's, that's occultic, that's new age. Yes. You know where they got that from? God. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like you, can, you can see the, the, the other side everywhere. So it just helps you like, oh yeah, that makes... You see, it's the same. His mission to Adam and Eve, you know, be, be fruitful and multi, multiply. Now through the redemption of Jesus, what is the great commission? Same thing in the, the spirit. Go out, take, take my mission, take, take Eden, Eden globally, but now you're the sacred space. Yeah. I can, it's, it's the same on both sides. All the way from it's going to be Eden to the new Eden, and that's what 
the enemy's going to have at the very, very end. That's why there's all that yeah. weird stuff in Revelations, you know, about the image and the mark and the of the beat, you know, and all this. Yeah. All this kind of stuff. Okay, I'm sorry. And also to all of our, to all of, another thing I'll say right there, to all of our friends in university campuses right now, you know, you go to university, you're oh, studying yeah, 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 and your yeah, professors yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Um, what some schools of thought might, might help you try to believe is that um, there's other Mesopotamian ancient Near East documents and texts that predate this Genesis account. And what you'll see is that a lot of these, they all have a lot of the same stories. They're no, all no, no, click, click. It's all the same story. It, it, it's like, all the same. Like, you, you can go learn this on History yes. Channel. Like, here's what I'm trying to they say. They have a flood narrative. They yeah, have yeah, all, they have all, all the same Genesis narratives. Genesis 1 through 11, it's, it's in Mesopotamia, all those ancient texts, it's all the same story. It's just, they give different accounts of who are the good guys yeah. and who are the bad guys. You see what I'm they saying? They make these yeah. giants that we're going to read about, they make them out to be heroes and guardians. But Yahweh... He gives the true narrative and exposes they don't they lead people to themselves and lead humanity into self-destruction. Yeah. And that's that's the that's a big key because if it's think about our the movies you go to, it's it's thought of like Aquaman. Take Aquaman. You you got these quasi-divine beings that supposedly are guardians. But guardians in reality, of the galaxy. Yeah, all the guardians of the galaxy. There's something that that we know intuitively, but it's a false narrative. And what's cool about our narrative is that we have a rescuer. We have not just a protector. We actually have someone who came, gave his very being, not just to protect, but to transform. We have a new king. His name's Jesus, and he's more than just a guardian. Right, right. He's a redeemer, he's a savior, and he's the ruling king. And our Yahweh is the only God worth serving. He's the only yes. one that is patient, kind, long-suffering. These other gods, you'll see it all throughout human history, these other gods are brutal. Yeah. They're murderers. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and says, you guys are liars. You're the son of your father, the devil. He's lied from the beginning. He's a murderer from the beginning. And so you see from Genesis 3 to Genesis 6, this increase of rebellion. And what God does every time is he has mercy on humanity. And that's what we forget. Sometimes God's mercy is consequence. Yeah. Sometimes God's mercy is actually dealing with the real issue and the real problem. And some of that has to do with the judgment yeah. of these divine beings. And so we say all that to say, just because an ancient Near East text, we're, some we're scholars like might kids say, hopped up on sugar right now. Just because, <laughs> just because an ancient Mesopotamian text might predate scripture, that what, what they would lend you to believe in universities is, well, see, that's the true narrative. But here, here, let me ask it to you like this. Who has multiple children? Multiple children, right? There's a disagreement amongst your kids. Just because the first one comes to you with the first bit of information doesn't mean he's the one telling the truth, right? So, so if you're a college student and you're taking any kind of, you know, history, you know, ancient Near East, archaeology, all that kind of stuff, what you're going to hear is they're going to pull out all of these other ancient texts that predate the Bible, some of my 800, 1,000 years, and they're gonna say, it's gonna have all the same stories. It's gonna have, here's this, this, this uh, uh, but they look at the Nakash, like whatever they're calling Yahweh, some will say Yahweh, but, but the Nakash is the Hebrew name for ser serpent, the shining one. But what they're, it's all the same story. The gods came down, then there was this flood, there was this reset. It's just, 
it's different sides of the yeah. story. In Genesis, it's, it's important to understand that a lot of the Bible, is it polemic? It's written polemic. What that is, that it's like a legal defense. And if you're a Hebrew scholar, you can see how the language is formed. It's a legal defense where they're saying, no, 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 that is not the true narrative. Let me tell you the true narrative. Yes. And if you study those ancient texts, whether they actually call him Yahweh or another name, they're gonna say, yeah, the, you know, the, the Israel, they had that God that they called Yahweh, and yeah, he's a good warrior, and you know, he, does, he, he, he doesn't like uh, people in these, you know, serving other nations and, and things like that, but he's really a control freak. He doesn't want anyone to have, you know, he doesn't want anybody to have any fun and really, you know, the shining one and these other gods that came down in Genesis six, they brought us technology and they brought us knowledge and they, they brought us all these things that's really helped mankind advance. Yeah, it's, it, it really has, right? It's helped us advance, but it's multiplied sin. It hasn't done anything to help us love one another and have a whole society, it's done the exact opposite. Yeah? yeah? So what they, what they do is we're not like, you know, conspiracy theory, you know, the Avengers, but what, what I'm saying is though, <laughs> once you see this, you'll just see it everywhere. And you know what it always ends up? These superheroes protecting the world from this big evil outside cosmic influence that's gonna come in and bring everyone into captivity again. Yeah. So anyway. It's, it's, let, let's read the true narrative. How about that? Let's look at Genesis six, let's read the true narrative, all right? Because the, the reality is there's, a, there's a one true God. We're not talking about a God that's the first amongst equals. He is the supreme being. His name is Yahweh. He created them all and, and the universe. And we're not talking about some little kid's story where you see this little boat floating on these waters and a giraffe oh head God. sticking out the window. We're talking about a time in human history. Okay, let's read it. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, Genesis 6, 1, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, these divine beings, these lesser gods, these watchers, saw that the daughters of man were attractive. They took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth. And so what you see right here, the, 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 the offspring of this union are these Nephilim, okay? These are the giants that we see not only in this time before the flood, but giants that show up after the flood. And, and it, it's also just, when you see that term, sons of God, okay, benai Elo, Elohim, understand this. That term, when this is how awesome it was when Jesus introduced it to humans. That term, sons of God, in the entire Tanakh, the entire Old Testament scriptures, not one time is it ever referred to any being that was not directly created by Yahweh. So that's why if you read the genealogies, it's, if you back them up, it's the son of the son of the son of, and it gets to Adam and it says, the son of God. So 
Anytime you see, you know, the sons of God were presenting themselves before the Lord and the saint was amongst them, the sons of God. So here's the awesome thing. Are you ready for this? So when Jesus came on the scene and he started saying, you know, the sons of, that's why you've seen the, y'all get that right? In the Old Testament, it's, it's the son of, son of, son of, God will sometimes refer to the collective Israel as my son, but only in a being directly created by God. So watch this. So when Jesus started saying that, hey, that we can be the sons of God and then all through the scriptures, the sons of God, what is that implying? That there is gonna be a direct creation. Yes. Come on, we're new creatures in Christ. When we say that we're the sons and daughters of God, we are saying that God has done a direct creation, redemptive work in us. It's called being born of the Spirit. Come on, it's called being redeemed. So now we can all be called the sons and daughters of God. Everybody tracking? So, okay. Awesome. Sorry. It says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Verse five, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse six, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on this earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds. We're not gonna get into it, but truthfully, these divine beings are so perverse that they had interaction with animals and beasts. You don't wanna serve them. (laughs) And the birds of the heavens. Which is why, which is why we get to these odd commands in Leviticus when God's telling the children of Israel, not to be like other gods. And he has to include things like, don't have sex with animals. Don't lie with beast. Don't offer your children as human sacrifice. Like, don't y'all think, you know, not having sex with animals, we're just kind of assuming that's implied. (laughs) God had to spell it out. And this is why, okay? That's what they And he were. had to take, he had to wipe out. There was a seed that, anyway, so he, he wipes them all. He says, I'm sorry that I've made them. And I just want to stop. Imagine what it took to get this God who is the, when you think of love, he is love. When you think of compassion, he is compassion. He just doesn't have the capacity. He is that. To get to the point where he's, at this point of, of, of grief, and then verse eight, and this is what I love, and this is what I think it's important for us to catch. Yes, knowing the narrative. Yes, knowing the judgment. Yes, knowing the punishment. But verse eight says, but Noah, but a man, right, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is what you see. God in his mercy, his plan A is to take a man and his family and go, hey, build an ark. There's something coming. And I feel like in, it, with Pastor's Encounter, from that time on, God invaded us as a people. He did it intentionally because I feel like he's entrusting us to help pioneer and be forerunners of helping teach the people of God the true narrative 
to, to, to lead them into pursuing Christ with all that they have, but also teaching them how to tangibly build out arcs build out places of safety. This church become a people that is the safest place on the planet because God's desire is to see his kingdom advance through sacred people and sacred spaces. And what you see right here is God, once again, just like with the Garden of Eden, the ark now becomes a sacred space for God's presence to dwell. And then you see him rescuing humanity. You see him not just completely destroying humanity, but willing to start again. And you'll see it in Genesis 11, willing to start again with another man named Abraham. And so despite the enemy's best attempt, what he means for evil, what he means for harm, our God always turns it for the good. Paul says in Ephesians 2, but God, rich in his mercy, even though we were once this, but God, but God, and that's what you see here, God once again invading human humanity with his salvation. And it's a foreshadowing of Jesus who is our fortress. We sang about him this morning. He is our ark. He is our everything. Yeah, and, and also, you know, if, if we'll, we'll probably hit on this next week, but like that language there, you know, where God says, I'm, it's, it's grieved me that I made man, mankind. He's not, he's not l- looking at man like, oh, you're, you're, you're such a failure. You're sinning so much. Like this is pain language. This is this, in the Hebrew. This is the same picture where God says things like, and, or, where the scripture says things like, and the Lord could bear Israel's misery no more. What he's saying here is, this hurts me so bad to see how man is hurting himself, like the pain and the destruction that Satan and these evil beings have, have, have brought them into. Now look at, look at man. Imagine this, this is God like, like God saying he's sorry. Like he's looking at us and he's seeing what we're going through. You see what I'm saying? Like that's language of this is so hurting me because it's hurting you. And the flood was an act of God's mercy to mm-hmm. stop the chaos and the destruction. That's why we have to understand a healthy view of judgment. That's why when Jesus is coming back, yes, there's gonna be judgment. But God's heart is broken because he sees what's, what we're doing to one another. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, and he, how it's always family. Adam and Eve is family. Now he's going to reset with Noah as a family. Yeah. And then Abraham's going to be family. And then all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. You know, so God wants a people that can, will image him and that will do what they can to take Shalom, that's why good, your home is an ark, your family is an ark. If you're single all by yourself, you know, we're ark, we're like, like it's these, he wants arcs, these, these places of wholeness and safety where we can model to a broken humanity and say, you know what, there's shalom over here. There's peace yeah. over here. This yeah. was not God's intention. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Like, like this is uh, come into come into the ark. 
because the day is going to come when the Lord can bear this no more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he's going to hit that reset one final time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right now in, in, in the church, like Capital C Church, there's even this idea that um, we need to uh, unhitch ourselves from Old Testament things, that Old Testament things don't matter, that's Old Covenant, Gosh. now there's New Covenant. Not only do we certainly not prescribe to that, but, but just in case you've ever heard that, let me help you with some of this, because obviously when these sons of God come, they have these relationships with the daughters of men, and this new species, race of Nephilim giants are now produced, some would say, oh, that's Old Testament. Testament, whatever, there's actually New Testament references. So what you'll yep. find in your New Testament is Peter and Jude both reference this in their books late in your New Testament. I want to read to you exactly what Jude says in, in verse five and six. I'll read out of verse six. It says, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. And Clay, that language proper dwelling, yeah. it, 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 it means like state. Just like Hebrew says today that sometimes you enter, entertain angels unaware they can take on this, this right. state of flesh. Well, what these had to do in order to, to have sex with women, they, they had to do a permanent, it was a more permanent- uh, Exchange. Yeah, it, it, yep. exchange. Like and, that. and so they left their proper dwelling, and what Jude says is now he has kept in eternal change, obviously speaking of God, Yahweh, he has kept them in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the day of judgment on that great day. And I don't want, I think we talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. There's a whole lot of extra biblical texts that, you know, obviously Peter and, and Jude and all those guys were reading that talks about, and this was, was their sin was so severe. Yeah. What they did was, that's why Satan's not bound right now. This group of rebels was bound. And that's because there's that violation of, leave, of, of this incursion into humankind like this, it was immediately judged yep. and they're, they're, they're bound. And so I'm gonna throw it to you, Brian. But so, so we have here that we have these sons of God they're giving divine knowledge to human beings, right? They're, they're, it's like literally they're unlocking parts of the human mind, the human brain that Yahweh did not want. And here they are, they're giving secrets, they're doing all of this kind of stuff, right? And it becomes a battle for turf and it becomes a battle of ideas. And basically, I'll let you sum up this rebellion, but this rebellion in Genesis 6, right, for all of our note takers. Well, all right, what's the rebellion from Genesis 6? Here's the bottom line. These divine imagers were supposed to assist yes. the human imagers, but instead of assisting them, they corrupted them beyond belief. And, and that's, it's so important to understand that, and we can see it in our day and age, and Pastor Stovall touched on it, and this is the pattern. These ones that were supposed to watch and help and assist humanity actually started taking worship unto themselves, actually started drawing humanity to them, and then teaching humans how to self-destruct. He, he found out that God was merciful, even in the garden, even though God said, you will surely die, God had mercy. They were gonna die in the sense of dying one day in the flesh, but, but fast forward to here, the punishment, the greater issue Yahweh has with any being is with the divine imagers. Human beings can be redeemed. These divine rebels cannot. There is no place for forgiveness with them because they know better. And truthfully, God is so compassionate, just like we are as parents. Sometimes your kids just don't know better. 
They haven't been trained and taught. And so what these guys did is they, they, they trained and taught humans how to self-inflict wounds, how to self-destruct, because the enemy knows he can't take you out, but if he can teach you how to self-destruct, he knows you'll do a better job than even he could have. But the beauty of what we're talking about, and that's why you gotta look at the big picture all throughout all these rebellions, is the but God who is rich in mercy. Amen. This is what he does. He raises up a seed, a family, an individual, and your life counts. What you do counts in this age. How you live your life counts. But if you understand the big picture, redemption and salvation is not just about an individual. It's about a family. And it goes from being a family, you look through Abraham, it's about a nation. God's ultimate desire was to see Jesus Christ inherit the nation. So Jesus came to die for you personally, yes, but he also came for your family. And he also came for your family line. And he's also come for nations. And that's what you see with the day of Pentecost. The, 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 the anointing is poured out, the power is poured out, and Jesus comes in Matthew 28 and says, now here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take my authority, I'm gonna give it to you. Now you guys go. And he's always looking for a hungry people that'll just say yes. That'll say yes, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we're gonna serve you. A family and a people that's willing to create an ark, to build something out in their lives, a foundation, hearing the words of Christ and putting them into practice. Jesus said, when those storms hit, you'll float on the storm waters. They won't destroy you. That's good, yes, yes. I think that's good news. It's great news, that's, yeah. And uh, hey, our prayer, our upper room, our prayer room, we're gonna, that's gonna be ready in a couple of weeks. And that was off the revelation where Jesus said, you know, my father's house, it'll be a house of prayer for all nations. And uh, yeah, so. So yeah, so we get to this place. Obviously the corruption was so bad that they are now trying to produce, obviously seed into humanity uh, to, to continue to, to, you know, bear more children of their own line, their own lineage, all that kind of stuff. The corruption was so bad. So, so everybody sees that though, right? Like, like to have imagers, well, you have to have seed. That's the, you know, the back to, to Eden, the curse, there'll be war right. against the woman's seed and, and, and Satan's seed. Like to image, you have to have seed. So, well, of course, something like this right. was gonna the promise that we sit on today is obviously now after Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, his ascension, right? Is that now when we are in Christ, we have an incorruptible seed. You understand that, right? The seed has changed in us yes. through faith in the one, the son of God who was sent. We're of an incorruptible seed. When, when you dive into this Genesis stuff, you see the war, next week we're gonna talk about a war of turf and why geography mattered and turf mattered. Cosmic geography, it, It's a war yes. about turf and it's a war over yes. seed. These lesser beings understood that. They're still after it today, but thank Jesus yes. that he provided another way to get back into the family of God through his seed, right? We are of the seed of Abraham, the promise of Abraham. Jesus made that way for us. And so, uh, I don't know, we're kinda out of time, but I don't, if you wanna speak to more of the flood, because ultimately we get to this place where all of this is a mess, and yeah. now God enters into a dialogue with a man named Noah. It's, it's, it's the picture of chaos. You have this pattern, rebellion, justice, and redemption. And what you see with Noah, even though everything is gone off the rails, God comes to a man, shows favor to a man, and says, here, I want you to build. 
I want you to build something. Something is coming. And so through that, you see this pattern. You see this picture of what Jesus does. He pulls people. He did it with Abram. You're gonna see next week. He pulls people out of chaos, right? He pulls them out of darkness. He, he, he separates them. He pours himself into them, and he makes this new creation. And that's what the John, the apostle John said, from the beginning the devil has sinned and the seed continues to sin, but Jesus appeared for this purpose, to literally undo the works of the evil one, right? He's come to undo what the evil one has done. Colossians chapter two talks about how Jesus has disarmed the rulers, the authorities and the powers, and here's what he did. He, he went to the cross, right? He took all of our transgressions, nailed them, to the cross, disarms the enemy so that he can empower humanity to carry on this mission. And that's the amazing thing. We now, in our part of our human history, we're a part of this great redemptive story. Like and I, I think it's important to understand that because this is more than just me to escape hell. There's so much more than just getting out of hell. We need to be worried about the flames of heaven because there's gonna be flames in the heavenly realm. Stop worrying about the flames of hell. I'm, trust me on this. It'd be better today for you and your family to make a decision for Yahweh. Why would you serve these lesser gods? We know how corrupt and perverted they are. The perversion and the corruption we see in our culture, it, doesn't, it, it, it originates somewhere and it always comes through that seed. And that's what John says. He says, you'll know that you're of the seed of the enemy if you practice rebellion. When you wake up every day and your natural inclination is just to go away from God's rule. And you know the seed of Jesus because they practice righteousness. It's just very clear. And I think at some point, probably even right now, I think it's important for us as people, the people of God, the family of God, with individual families here, it's, gonna, it's really important to start understanding where am I at in this story? Where's my family line at in this story? Where am I at in this redemptive process of God? Because am I, if I'm in a state of rebellion, I've got good news for you. If you're in a state of rebellion, today is your day of salvation. That's right. You're in the right place. You're with the right people. And, and you might say, well, I'm not, I'm not serving other gods, you know, whatever. I'm not serving other gods. I'm just whatever. Well, how can you know? Well, it's, are you loyal to the system yeah. of the world? So what is the, Jesus said, look, you're, you're going to be in the world, but you're not of the world. Just like when the children of Israel were in Babylon, you, you're, you're, you're here, but you're not of here. So how, how do I know if I'm loyal to the system of this world? Let's go back to the garden in Genesis 6 and Genesis 11 and all throughout when Israel would become corrupt. And it's the same today. Okay. Am I going to be loyal to God's definition of good and evil and his truth? Or, I'm gonna, or am I going to take the parts that I kind of like kind of do a, Satan's a great job at that. He's always quoting scripture, but putting in just enough to invert that thing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, am, I, am I gonna kind of do, yeah, the parts, but not the, and then am I, am I gonna be a steward? Listen, when we get in, in, in a few weeks, we start talking about these feasts, you know, trumpets, that's yeah. uh, 
the, the return of Jesus and then there's tabernacles. It's like, here's what you're gonna see in the gospels. When Jesus preached on his return, stewardship and readiness were synonymous. He would actually exchange those terms. How do you know if you're ready? You're being a good steward. In other words, you're stewarding what God has given you according to his truth and according to his rule. You're not just, yeah, okay, I'm, yeah, I do some of this sometimes and da, 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 da. And whatever you do, I'm, I'm pleading with you as a, as a fellow brother and, a, and a, a father of this house, whatever you do, don't buy in. We really have two choices. We can either, we can either engage scripture on its terms and understand that God gives this to us as a, as a, as, as a, as it is our foundation. It is our life. The meta narrative, everything is important. It's not just this, you know, this book and a few things here. We, we engage it on its, its own terms and we understand this is family, that we're to build our, our homes are in an ark, that, that we all have a very important, valuable role in this as equals. Or we buy into what is presented in a whole lot of the church today. You know what that is? That is, oh, it, it's the grace of God and nothing else matters. When Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, he found grace and God said, build an ark. Right, right, right. This is about family, Noah. So that you, we have two choices. It's either we, we, we say yes to truly engaging scripture, only the word of God can transform us in our community. Or we take the individualistic, personal escape to heaven, just give me a sin management program, teach me how to do well in, 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 some, uh, in some, some areas of, of life, but Jesus is gonna be my personal me, my, my personal Lord and Savior, and I, I don't wanna to go to hell, I wanna to go to heaven, and you know, I got a good sin management program here, and you know, I, I wanna be a good person and, and go to church. Like those, and because of God's grace, nothing matters. None of this matters. Jesus is gonna come back whenever he wants. It has nothing to do with, the, with God's kingdom being united. It has nothing to do with my partnership in the Great Commission. It has nothing to do because it's all grace. Nothing matters. Listen to me. That is the message that is everywhere today in the West. Nothing matters. It's all grace. You're gonna to go to heaven. Just enjoy your life. Don't think, think about it. Do, do you understand how harmful that is? to the mission of God. Like, do, do, no, it matters. All, all of these, all of these, we're, 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 we're commissioned by God to, to demonstrate and model his fam, model what the Great Commission is all about. Think about this. We looked at this last week. When Jesus was born, is that a Revelation 12? When Jesus was born, that's when Satan, he was the most powerful and had authority anyway, but that's when Satan 
got all the other, like all these other beings, these rebel forces and powers and principalities. When Jesus was born, they all united. Because now that Jesus is on the scene, we can't keep our factions like we have to unite to stop this. His kingdom is very united now. And that's why when Jesus was on the earth, he went to him, he said, hey, look, all these kingdoms now, they're united under me. I can give them to you. All the kingdoms of the world, you don't have to do this. Satan's kingdom is not divided or it couldn't stand. It is united right now. Watch this. Is the kingdom of God United, like, are we even on the same playing field? Like, is, say, is, or is he even having to do, we can come to church, we can have the biggest, until we, we unite under the, the, the kingdom, until we stop building a name for ourselves, until we learn how to, he's coming back for a broad, if, if the kingdom will get united and then all of a sudden, man, then, then, then the, the, the tables are gonna begin to turn. Yeah. But to think, what, what's Satan's end game? Delay to think that we don't have any part to play? Then how do we become, how do we become a bride? Well, I mean, I could take you through half the scriptures. If we sit here and keep focusing on our individualistic Sin management programs or whatever else, they can stay, they'll stay here as long as they can. Jesus won the victory. He commissioned us to execute the victory that he won for us on the cross. We are the enforcers. That's why I said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now you go. Made disciples of all nations. Here it is. It's Eden restated through the redemptive plan. Go and make disciples of all, be fruitful and multiply. The kingdom is now here. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. And it's here, but it's not yet. But the more that we demonstrate kingdom, the closer we get to the king and his kingdom coming in its fullness in heaven and earth uniting again in the new Eden under Jesus' rule. Yeah, man, that's good. Put your hands together for that, man. That's a word. Okay, don't leave yet. Wait, don't, yeah. don't leave. Y'all saw what happened. Some people left early last week. Jags <laughs> lost. I'm, I'm just saying. Hey, I just want to give you two quick thoughts and then we're going to pray for some people, man. I, I, there's some probably people, families who want to demonstrate that loyalty to Jesus today. Two final thoughts for you. Um, I, I, I'm 34 years old. I don't know um, where the line is drawn. I might be like the oldest millennial in that generation or whatever. I don't know. But, but I get a lot of questions sometimes with my friends in my bracket and probably a lot of people ask it as to, you know, all right, why does any of this matter? Why does it matter? Why should we pay attention? I mean, hopefully we've made a pretty solid case already today as to why it matters, but why does it matter? Here's the first thing you need to understand is you need to understand that from the very beginning of all of this, God had divine competition when it came to human destiny. From the very beginning, that's what Genesis shows us with these lesser gods and fallen angels. There's always been divine competition for human destiny. So watch this. Sometimes the enemy would wish you to believe that your life's not valuable. Friend, your life is so valuable that two sides of this thing are waging war in the heavenlies every single day on who gets to own you. Yes, that's good, come on. Like, I wish, can, I'm gonna stand and, and preach now. Clay, like, and we're, Clay, Clay, Clay. And listen, this whole, watch. Yes, there's authority, right? 
but we are equals, man. Yes. I'm telling you, in the next season, God is gonna flatten this hierarchical structure yes. in the church where there's authority, but we are all equals, and every single person has an assignment to build their own ark. Yes. Yes, and then collectively, it's the big ark. Yes. You are so valuable. Your family's so valuable that war, you can't see it, doesn't mean it's not there. And they've been warring over human beings since Genesis 3. It's still the same in 2019. You are that valuable. I'm here to tell you in the spirit and age that we live in where suicide and depression is trying to take individuals out. And some of you, maybe even in here this morning, you've had thoughts of if I disappeared tomorrow, no one would even notice, no one would even care. Nothing could be further from the truth. You are so valuable. All of heaven, Jesus came to earth. Heaven is backing you up. At the same time, there's a fallen kingdom that wishes to bring you. That's how valuable you are. The second thing you need to understand, you, can, you gotta go listen to the podcast, go listen to the rest of it, because we talked about it, the three of us. The second thing you need to understand is these giants that showed up in Genesis chapter six, we see them hundreds of years later. Like we see these giant, King David, right, Goliath. We see giants hundreds of years later. What that should show you is this, what one generation failed to take care of, the next generation had to pay the price yeah. and deal with. Right. Let's take care of it. Come on. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes you think, well, this doesn't matter to me and I'm not really interested and I don't really care. Listen, if you fail to take interest of things like this now, if you fail to set your family up and demonstrate loyalty, like have that Joshua moment that says, I see giants, I see foreign enemies, I see lesser gods, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Most High. I'm here to tell you, if you don't make that declaration right now, it is your kids and your kids' kids that are gonna have to continue to fight giants and deal with all that mess. But today, we can put an end to it right now. Come on, if you're with me, why don't you stand to your feet right now? Why don't you lift up a shout of praise? Why don't you lift up some loyalty? Why don't you lift up a sound that we serve the God above all gods? Our God is not like the rest. He's a rescuer, he's a redeemer, he's a deliverer, he's a savior, and he is a king that is coming back again and will put a kingdom on this rock. Clay, Clay, Clay. And y'all think about this, don't leave. We're gonna say the priestly blessing and we're gonna give people an opportunity to enter Jesus, God's ark. But now think about this. Why did Jesus say, just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man? I'm not talking about physical giants or anything like that. We're gonna unpack that a little more next week, along with, we didn't define the exact definitions of demons and the difference of all those. But listen, here's what I'm trying to say. This message, Jesus made sure that he said that in the Gospels because this message that we're preaching on these two kingdoms, okay, it has never been more relevant than it is today and where the world is heading and what's about to come upon us. I'm not saying next month, but I'm saying Jesus said that. 
There's things that are gonna begin to happen and we have to be prepared. We have to have our ark ready, come on, so that when those waters come and the chaos starts happening and Jesus says people's hearts could could fail them because of fear, not us. We're gonna look up because our yeah. redemption draws nigh. And because when those waters come, come on, we're gonna float. We're gonna rise, we're gonna rise above it with our Savior. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.